and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Unfortunately, we were not able to post last week's episode due to a technical error involving the Halloween special. The recording had a little bit of an issue involving effects and the mixer, so unfortunately I wasn't able to do a second take or even edit the original due to that error with the mixer. So I scrapped the episode altogether, and now we have this one coming two weeks after. So in this episode today, we're going to be talking about the front runners for MVP, and we're going to talk about QB jobs in jeopardy. Should they be starting, or will they be cut? So, the segment will be called Start or Cut, and we're going to go over seven, eight different teams who des- who we're going to evaluate and decide, should we keep them, or should we cut them? In addition, you've got the Week 10 predictions, the debate topic of the week, Change My Mind, you're going to have to stick around for that one. That's going to be a fun one this week. And as usual, our winners and losers segment. One player, one team for each category. So, without further ado, let's get it started. Starting off now with the front runners for MVP. There are four players I see as real front runners for MVP who have had severe impacts for their team, whether it was positive or not. So, for MVP... I think the four players that come to mind are Russell Wilson. Of course, you can't have a conversation without including Russell Wilson in there. Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, because one of the most dynamic backs in the league. I think you include Deshaun Watson from the Texans after everything he has done. It's been incredible. I love watching the kid play. He's different. Or you can go with Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings. It's a little bit of an outlier pick, not going to lie. But I like the kid's game style, and I like everything about him. He's the main piece that's carrying this Vikings offense, and if he plays at a high level every game, you're going to see a difference over time. Because you're going to see, if he does not play well, the Vikings don't play well. If he plays well, the Vikings do play well in both aspects of the game. So a lot of it runs through him. And, of course, the fifth one, you guys want me to go with Lamar Jackson, so of course I'm going to throw Lamar Jackson in there. Lamar Jackson is very good this season. I see improvements in his passing game and his mechanics. It's great. He's throwing more. He's smarter with handling the ball and making run runs really downfield. It's great. He's done an incredible job. I have to give him props. It's been nothing but positive reports here from me. So with that being said, if I had to rank them, I think the first ones we could probably knock out of here are Cook and will knock out probably Lamar Jackson. I hate to do that to them because I like Lamar Jackson and the way he's been carrying this Ravens de- offense, and especially this weekend when they played the Patriots and won. I think it was 38-20, to 37-20. Very good showing and showed a lot of character and strength from them. You look into other teams and... Honestly, you don't see a quarterback as dynamic as him, but unfortunately, I see more from these guys, from these other players, who've done more for their team. Same thing goes for Dalvin Cook. I've seen these, I know he's carrying the entire run game for the Vikings, but on that same note, 
these guys are carrying their entire franchise. So to keep that going, let's move on. So now you got Watson, McCaffrey, and Wilson. I think the next one you knock off the list here is going to be Christian McCaffrey. I don't think, and it's not because I don't think running backs should win an award. I don't think running backs, it's not that I don't think running backs should be winning MVPs. I think it's more the fact that Christian McCaffrey's impact for the Panthers has not been as impactful as Wilson and Watson have been for their teams. If Wilson was not a Seahawk this season, the Seahawks would not be where they are right now. Same goes for Watson. If he was not on the Texans right now and they had a backup playing, they would not be where they are. They actually might be at the bottom of their division. And you could say the same thing for McCaffrey. But the fact of the matter is, they got a good quarterback, they got a strong passing game, and a good defense. They didn't have to worry too much on the run game, so they could easily let him go. So honestly, it's not a big deal there. So McCaffrey, you're out of here. It's between Watson and Wilson. I've seen Wilson dominate the stat sheet all over the place for passers, and in rushing yards too. But Watson is different. Because of what he's doing for the Texans at the moment. Now that they don't have J.J. Watt. The week they don't have J.J. Watt. They go to play the Jaguars in London. And win 26-3. to That's incredible. That's pretty damn good. So. If it comes down to it. You got to go down to. Who has been the best quarterback in the league this year. And who has their team in a good position right now. And if it were up to me. I'd have to go with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the MVP. It's un- it's unbelievable what he's doing this season. Breaking trends from his previous years, even the year he won the Super Bowl. And he's just on a roll. And I, I'm impressed by what he's done so far. So I do believe that Wilson gets the edge over Watson. But at the end of the day, whoever's in that top five really that I named, if any of them win the award, I'm fine with it. They all have done phenomenal this season and they're deserving of the award. Wilson most deserving. But everybody else is deserving, so I wouldn't be upset if they were to win outside of him. So this is just halfway through the season so far. Which now brings us to the next segment involving quarterback jobs. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks go down. We've seen a lot of backups step up in their place. But the question comes down to one thing. What is it going to take? Did they do enough to get the starters away from their jobs? Did the starters do bad enough to lose their jobs? That's a really good question, and I'm going to evaluate it. I've got seven teams here that all have quarterback question marks. The Carolina Panthers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, the Washington Redskins, the Chicago Bears, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, let's start with the top one off the bat. So, it's either you keep them or you cut them. So, here we go, starting with Carolina. Cam Newton has not done enough in the recent years to justify staying on board for a $19.1 million contract. Unless he takes a pay cut, I think they have to let him go. Kyle Allen has proven himself to be the starter and the leader of this franchise. And you can't take it away from the guy. The guy's been incredible. He's given them every reason to believe in him. So, honestly, I don't know if I could even side here with Cam Newton. I Don't get me wrong. 
I like Cam Newton. Being a Bucks fan, I hated him growing up. In my high school years, all that. I hated him. But I respected his style and the way he prepared and handled games. I loved it. It was enjoyable and I understood it. However, I think he's officially washed up. I think he's officially out of his prime. No disrespect at all meant. And I mean it. Not meant at all for this guy. It's just the simple fact that I believe Cam Newton's career is starting to hit the downturn. And I think the injuries are being the sign. It's like the Andrew Luck situation. As good as Cam Newton can be, is he still going to have that love and passion for the game that he had when he was in the league and he was in his prime and he was doing really well? Like when he won the MVP award. Does he still have that energy? And from what I'm seeing, I don't see it. I think the Panthers are going to cut him and that's the best move they can make. Moving on, you have the Cincinnati Bengals. They just benched Andy Dalton in favor of Ryan Finley. So now we get to see if Ryan Finley and A.J. Green can get this offense started. Keep in mind, this week, Cincinnati has to take on Baltimore. If they beat Baltimore, Andy Dalton's got to go. But otherwise, I don't see a reason to get rid of Dalton. But if you're going for my personal opinion, outside the expertise, outside of the statistics, or even citing statistics here because that's what I do, if it were up to me and I'm the Bengals, I am letting Dalton go. I like Dalton. I like what he's been doing this season. But in actuality, it's more on the fact that he's being, it's harmful for him to stay in a situation where he can't succeed. To be in the situation he is in right now with the Cincinnati Bengals is to rob a man of potential success. He's still generating massive yardage seasons. He's limiting his turnovers. Well, I can't even go that far. He's he's recently increased them, but no le- nonetheless, he's proven himself to be a good quarterback in the league with the, if he has an improvement in protection and a better team set up for him. He needs teams that are that just need one more piece to the puzzle, a quarterback to solve everything. Example, the Bears. Hey, the Bears could use Andy Dalton. I think Dalton on the Bears makes sense. He can throw the ball downfield. He can make use of the vertical threats. He can survive in that pocket on Light Trubisky, and it's a good idea. I think in the offseason, the Bears should consider it. You could also look into Tampa. They've got all the vertical threats needed to succeed. They've got the, they just need to upgrade an offensive line. I read a statistic today I'm not pleased about. And they need improvement in the secondary. But again, Tampa's a good spot for him. You can look into teams like Tennessee's got a great defense. Not a phenomenal wide receiver core, but a good one. Um, You can even look into, if you want, the Redskins. I mean, in my opinion, Haskins ain't cutting it. But we're not going to go there. I want to put it simple. Andy Dalton needs a team where an offensive line is strong and where there's a team set up to succeed. That's when he's been his best. And that was back in 2015. When they had a good team that had a playoff caliber chance to make it all the way. So with that being said, for the sake of Andy Dalton's success in the future, for the rest of his career, I think the Bengals should cut him. Find a new place to play where they'll appreciate him. 
Moving on to the next team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew's been starting in place of Nick Foles. And Marone had a tough decision to make whether or not he was going to have Foles start or Minshew start and take the job back. And in this way of making it like keep or cut, I'll put it this way. Start the backup or start the starter. So starter or backup here. And I'm glad that Doug Marone picked the starter. Because as great as Minshew Mania was, I was bought into it too. I still believe Nick. this is Nick Foles' team. This was Minshew filling in and doing his job to keep the team afloat. They did not completely get demolished while he was gone. But I know now that with the situation they're in at 4-5, and five, Foles can turn this team around and possibly bring them into a wildcard spot. Mark my words. He could do it. They cannot afford more than one loss. But they can do it. So, again, I think Foles is the best decision if you're trying to make the playoffs. If you're not looking forward to the playoffs, you can keep Minshew in. Because Minshew's going to get you about an 8-8, 9-7 record. Not going to really make the playoffs. But you'll get a decent decent uh, pick. You'll be like middle of the road. It's not bad. It's a win-win situation either way. So, yeah, Foles should be starting in my opinion. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans... Marcus Mariota officially got benched for Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill had an abysmal week last week. It was bad. But was it bad enough to be worse than Mariota? I mean, technically, if you want to put Ryan Tannehill on the stat sheet, he has the number one completion percentage in the league. So he completes the major- more pa- the most passes compared to any other quarterback right now. He's got a better success rate with completing passes. On top of that, I know he's had a couple turnovers. Okay. It's been like three interceptions since he took over. And it's probably been what now? Three weeks? We're going into the fourth week now? So he's had three weeks with three interceptions. One of those weeks he had none. One week he had one, but they still won the game because he had two, three touchdowns. And then last week he had two interceptions. So honestly, I think we're getting a little hot on Tannehill right now. Back off a little bit. But the Malcolm Butler injury does hurt. But again, staying on the quarterback topic here. The Tennessee Titans need to let Mariota go. Mariota is not worth having on the team anymore unless you want him as a backup. If you want him as a backup, I tell you, keep him. If not, get rid of him. Mariota wants to be a starter and not a backup, let him be. I think Tannehill was a good choice to do the starting, and I said it was a good choice. He's done well, really, for the most part, since he got back, and he took the job. So, right now... I got it listed as Cut Mariota. Next team we're going into here, we're going to go into the Washington Redskins. They got three quarterbacks in that roster that could start. They got three. Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins the rookie, and Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy's not bad. I never said he was a bad quarterback, just not a starting caliber quarterback. Case Keenum has actually done well when he's in the game. He's done well, really well. And then you put Dwayne Haskins in the rookie to let him get some experience. Not a good call. I think the Giants were smart to pass on him. And so far from what I've seen, I don't see him being a starter. So I think if you want to be smart, you end up cutting Colt McCoy. You keep Keenum. And you designate Dwayne Haskins as a backup. If you want to draft a quarterback next year, I'm in favor of that too. But if you're going to do that, you might as well trade Dwayne Haskins. 
So if you want to trade him, there are destinations that would love to have him. Miami, you're welcome. I mean, there's plenty of destinations that he can go to where he can fill in a backup role and they would be okay. For example, Buffalo's another one. You need a good backup to Josh Allen. They don't got one, really, besides Matt Barkley. You need a good backup to Derek Carr. Mike Lennon, eh, he's alright. But you need a better one. Look at the Chargers. Tyrod Taylor's the backup. We know what happened last time he was a starter. Cough, cough, Browns. So, with that being said, plenty of teams would love to have him as a backup and get some training in and possibly become a starter. So, setting him to the Chargers would be a good choice. You have him there. With Phillip Rivers' contract expiring, if you don't want to bring him back, you can bring in Haskins, let him take over the team. If you don't like that idea, there's other options. Again, I think the best scenario here is Haskins either gets traded because he's a rookie. And if again, this is if you want to draft one next year, going into next year's draft. You could either keep him as a backup or trade him. Or and keep Keenum because Keenum has proven himself and then just release McCoy. That's a good option. That would be my ideal situation here for this team. Which now brings you to the Chicago Bears who have Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel on the roster. Um, Again, Trubisky's got to go. I stand by that and I'm going to stick by that until I see otherwise. Once again, Trubisky, you proved to me you do not do well as a quarterback. As a legitimate starting quarterback, you don't prove it. In the first half, how do you total seven total yards of offense against the Eagles? How do you do it? And against a banged-up Eagles defense, mind you. How do you do that? I don't get it. I mean, great, the second half you started a comeback. But that's not enough. You need to show me that you deserve to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. One of the most iconic and recognizable franchises in the NFL. You gotta play like an icon. You're not playing like an icon. You were okay last season. I don't know what you did this season, but you were nowhere close to that. So right now, that's a solid cut for me. Unless you want to move into the backup and let Chase Daniel go. That's an option too. But Chase Daniel, not bad either. He's a pretty good quarterback. I take him more for throwing than Trubisky. Which now sends me over to the Bucks. Oh wait, I will say for now, Keep Trubisky, give him one more year. One more year to prove himself. And if he can do it, keep him. If not, eh. It's like circumstantial for for Trubisky. As much as I don't like him, it's only fair to give him one more year. It's only fair. So let him play out the rest of his contract. And if he proves himself, keep him. If he doesn't, let him walk. Or you can cut him right away. Either way, it's your call. I don't run the Bears. Finally, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Haven't seen these this bad since Josh Freeman was the quarterback. And we all know if you're a Bucks fan about Josh Freeman. Don't even get me started. Anywho, let's continue. Um, Winston, I think his time is finally up. Now, it hurts me to say that because we invested so much time in Jameis Winston. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he makes ill-advised mistakes. And because of his time in Tampa, poorly building a team around him 
And that's in blame to the last two GMs, mainly Jason Light here. He failed to build the proper offensive line around him and to build a defense the right way with the coaches he had on staff. So unfortunately, it pains me to say that this is more Jason Light's fault than Jameis Winston's fault. So the offensive line is already on pace to have more sacks on Winston this year at week 10 than he had all of last season. So there's that. Um, Right now, I think this is an issue that needs to be resolved. The offensive line has been a problem for a long time, and Winston, as a result, loses confidence and makes ill-advised mistakes even in the pocket because he doesn't trust his offensive line. And that's a major negative for quarterbacks. Can't succeed if you don't have a strong offensive line. If I'm Tampa, I'm looking into an offensive lineman next year, or I'm looking into another quarterback. Obviously a quarterback, but you know what I'm saying. Either way, Winston's better off on a team where he feels safe and he can get the job done. Can't tell you what team that would be, because it's hard to find one of those in this league who don't already have a starting quarterback that they can trust. But yeah, I think it's time the Bucks give up on the Winston experiment and move on. It's best for the team, and it's best for Arians and for Winston. And also, cut ties with Light. But I can't say that because he signed an extension. So, But that's it for the QB jobs. So that leads us to our Week 10 predictions. Yeah, let's go. We got 13 games this week, and as of last week, I had had a 25-5 and record going into last week. I took five more losses, and I won the rest of the games. So the, t- the five losses I accumulated in the last two weeks turned into five last week. So I now have ten losses in the last three weeks on picks, which also isn't bad, but it's not great. So currently I'm standing at about 34-10. and 34-10 at the moment. I had a good week. I had a decent week last week. wasn't great like the other two, but I hope to continue the streak into this week. So... This week we have 13 games because six teams have bye weeks. So with that being said, let's go into the Thursday night football game. The LA Chargers versus the Oakland Raiders. Good game. Oakland has not beaten the LA Chargers since LA's moved into their stadium. So it's a little bit of an interesting matchup here. Can the Chargers get that first win? After watching how they manhandled the Packers. Like, oh my god, they manhandled the Packers. I'm going to say safely that the Oakland Raiders beat the L.A. Chargers Thursday night in Oakland. Kansas City goes on to play the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. And it's a tougher game because Mahomes probably is coming back. So this offense is going to be on fire. And now with the Butler injury, it's making it a little easier for me to pick the Chiefs. But beforehand, I didn't know what to pick. It was tough. So I want to take the Chiefs to beat the Titans in, in Tennessee. Next up, you have the Arizona Cardinals versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. I am safely going to take the Arizona Cardinals. Wait, wait, wait. No, I just forgot something. I forgot the fact that Tampa's secondary does has a lot of issues and that the pass rush for the Arizona Cardinals is not as good as it should be. So maybe Winston gets a little bit of a break this week. But you know what? This was a tough game to call. 
Now that I'm reevaluating it, it's easy to exploit that secondary with Kyler Murray's arm and how fast he is on his when he's running. So if I'm going to be on the safe route here, I'm going with Arizona over Tampa in Tampa. So Tampa's now going to drop to two and seven. Moving on to the next game for all New York fans out there. The New York Giants play the New York Jets at MetLife, as it should be. Hopefully the cat doesn't appear this week. But the Giants and the Jets take off, and both teams have not done well this season. Neither one. I mean, the Jets just dropped the game to the Dolphins. It doesn't get any worse than that. Otherwise, this is probably a Giants game to win, Jets game to lose. The Jets want to get back on track. I understand that. And they should try to. But it's not going to happen. We all know how improved that Giants defense got by adding Leonard Williams. We all know that Daniel Jones can light up the field this quickly. And going against Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Jermaine Johnson, not a, it's an easy secondary to exploit outside of May and Adams. The corners are easy to exploit. So man-to-man situations, that is a big win right there. For the Giants. And I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to use in more man-to-man situations than zone coverage. So as a result, I'm going to say the Giants win this game over the Jets. Bringing me to my next game here, the Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Tough game. Tough game. And the reason why I'm saying tough game is I don't know if Matt Ryan is back this week or not. But I do know one thing. Atlanta's offense can take advantage of any point. New Orleans has Drew Brees, yes. They've got Kamara, yes they do. They've got a good defense, yes they do. They've got Michael freaking Thomas. I got that. But this Atlanta offense can really raise a storm if they get going. And we all know division games get tough every once in a while. So with that, I'm going to say the Saints win it in a close one. It's going to be a close game, but the Saints pull it out at home. Moving us to our next game, the Buffalo Bills versus the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are just atrocious. I don't even want to talk about it. So we're just going to not even talk about how bad the Browns are right now. But we are going to move to the Buffalo Bills here, who had a great game last week again. Again, only two losses on the season. Give credit to Sean McDermott. Even though the Bills are beating teams that aren't great, they're beat. They're also winning those games... And setting themselves up for another playoff appearance. It's a great thing here for the Bills. I mean, of course the second half of the season is going to get tougher. But that doesn't mean they can't beat the Browns, right? They're going to be in Cleveland. Josh Allen's going up against a questionable, now questionable, Browns defense. And 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 the Bills' defense is amazing. And I guarantee you, they're going to blow out Baker Mayfield. They're going to blow them out of the water. So, without further ado, I'm seeing it now. The Bills win. They're locking them down. They're going to get another win to solidify their wildcard spot at the moment. Keep keep winning. Let's go, Bills. My goodness. Bills Mafia. Next up, we have the Baltimore Ravens versus Cincinnati Bengals. Ryan Finley's first start and A.J. Green's reappearance for the Cincinnati Bengals at home. This is going to be a fun game to watch because they don't know how to guard. They don't know how to defend Ryan Finley because they haven't seen the rookie play yet. And Green is back. They know how to defend him, but that doesn't mean they can. Green's back. 
which means now you've still got John Ross ready to go. Which means those two are going to work amazingly now together. Vertical threats downfield, abuse Marlon Humphrey and that secondary. This is a fun game. But I still think Baltimore wins mainly because, again, Cincinnati's defense is just in the dirt right now and bad. They're so bad, they're through. They're, they're six feet under. So, you know, I think Lamar Jackson exploits that. They're going to score a lot of points. Maybe a high-scoring affair here. But Ravens still win it. Detroit plays Chicago at Soldier Field. So, this week's a tough week because I know the Bears want to get back on track. And I don't know if they're going to do it. This is probably one of the most difficult calls I've had to make for a game ever. Because I know Detroit's a good team. But Detroit propped a really important game last week that they shouldn't have lost to the Raiders. I'm starting to really question them. I'm questioning the Bears a lot too. But the thing is, can I see them take advantage? Can I see them crawl back? I don't know. They're going to be in Chicago. I think it's a Chicago win. I think Chicago finally breaks the cold streak and beat the Detroit Lions at home. Going on to the Dolphins versus the Colts. I don't think it matters if Brissett or Hoyer play. I think it just matters the fact that the Colts win this game. They're in Lucas Oil Stadium. They got a good running back. They got a good def- They got an average defense. They got a good quarterback either way. Only problem is they don't have T.Y. Hilton. But hey, the Dolphins don't got Preston Williams the rest of the season. So really, who took the bigger hit? Again, not saying T.Y. Hilton isn't substantial and important for this team. But I am saying, both of them are wide receiver ones, technically. And both losing them, it's Preston Williams more important to the Dolphins right now. Because that's like their go-to guy. Than having T.Y. Hilton go down because you have more guys who could pick up the slack. Again, with that being said, tough game here. I think the Dolphins are going to be motivated after that last win they just had. It's going to be a close game, but Indy wins it. Close one. In a close one. Expect Mike Gesicki to go off again for the tight ends for the Dolphins this week. Expect Gesicki to go off. Next up, you have the LA Rams versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one, another good game. Pittsburgh had a very good game last week. Proved a lot of doubters wrong. Um, the Rams got off a of bye week now. They're looking to get. They're looking to stay hungry, get active. They don't have Brandon Cooks this week. Big loss. They don't have Brandon Cooks. This can go either way without Cooks now, because now they've got Cup and Woods. Cup's probably going to be receiver one, or it's going to be Robert Woods. Either way, it's going to be a tough game not having all your receivers. So I'm going to say the Rams beat the Steelers in a very very close game. It's going to come down to the wire, maybe even overtime. Next up, we have the Carolina Panthers against Green Bay at Lambeau. Great, great matchup. This is probably going to be game of the week, but I do have Green Bay winning. I think Blake Martinez is going to go off. He's going to take advantage of the um, blitz packages, take down Allen, force some mistakes that Allen shouldn't be making. Packers take advantage, becomes a real difference maker in their victories. So Packers in a close one. Which brings us to the Sunday night football game on NBC. We have the Minnesota Vikings against the Dallas Cowboys in AT&T Stadium in Dallas. 
Good game. Very good game. But after what I saw in previous weeks, how can I not go with the Minnesota Vikings here? I've seen the Cowboys blow out the Giants. Great job. I saw the Vikings go into Kansas City and lose by a touchdown. Actually, no, not even a touchdown. They lost by a field goal. So, you know, Kansas City's offense is overloaded and stacked. It's hard to beat that. And that's on Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is going to look to rebound this week and get the ball going. Same thing for Dalvin Cook. Cowboys defensive line isn't as strong as it looks. There's a lot of big names on there, but that doesn't mean they're going to be impactful on the level of what Dalvin Cook's going to do to them. I got Dalvin Cook becoming essential in both the run game and the passing game, so he's going to have a very big impact scrimmage yards-wise. Without, I don't believe Adam Thielen is playing this week. I think it's going to end up being Diggs again, being the wide receiver one. But either way, Diggs is going to have a big week. Can't say the same for Cousins, but the Vikings defense is going to hold Dallas down and win in in Arlington. It's going to be a really good game to watch. This might be the game to watch this week, especially in prime time, but I am taking the Vikings to win this one. Which now brings us to the Monday night football game on ESPN. The Seattle Seahawks versus the San Francisco 49ers. Another great game. Battling for that top spot in the NFC West. Even though I know that the Seattle Seahawks are two games behind them. If you can deal a loss out to the 49ers, that would be crushing and insane. Almost too insane to believe because you're going to be in San Francisco. But hey, I like a little crazy. I love a little crazy. So you know what? Let's go Seahawks. Seahawks take this one. Seahawks are going to beat the 49ers and deal on their first loss this week. I think Seattle's going to go crazy, especially if Josh Gordon plays. DK Metcalf, Josh Gordon, Tyler Lockett. That's all I got to say. Russell Wilson is going to have a hell of a game. That defense is going to be very active for the Niners. If their defensive line crushes Seattle, I'm telling you, the Niners will win. But otherwise, this is all Seahawks. All comes down to that matchup on the line between the Niners and and the Seahawks offense. That's what really matters. If the Seahawks can hold them back, the Seahawks will win. If the Seahawks can't hold back that defensive line from San Francisco, they're going to lose the game. But I do believe Seattle can hold them back, give Wilson enough time to make some MVP plays, and win the game. So yeah, Seattle over San Francisco. Just to recap now, the predictions this week are Oakland over the Chargers in Oakland, Kansas City tops Tennessee in Tennessee, Arizona will beat Tampa Bay in the Bay. The New York Giants will top the New York Jets at MetLife. The New Orleans Saints will win at home against the Atlanta Falcons in a close one. Buffalo plays Cleveland and wins in Cleveland. Baltimore will travel to Cincinnati and take the victory. Chicago will win at home against the Detroit Lions to finally break their cold streak. The Indianapolis Colts will beat the Miami Dolphins in a close one at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Rams travel to Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, and win. Come out with a victory over Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. Carolina walks into Green Bay and gets destroyed. Not literally, but you get what I mean. The Packers beat the Panthers 
in a close one. Sunday Night Football on NBC, you will have the Vikings walk into Dallas and get a victory. And then finally, Monday Night Football on ESPN, that's going to end with Seattle pulling out the victory against the Niners based on the fact that the Seattle offensive line is going to help Wilson get enough time to complete plays and get the job done. Now, we move on to the debate topic of the week. The debate topic of the week, before I even get into it, it involves the Browns, we all know it will. But, before I get into that, I will fulfill my promise, and I will feature somebody who made a very good comment on the Cam Newton situation. I was going to do it last episode, but hey, I'll do it right here. So, on Instagram, French Fries, not the way you would spell it, said, he ain't going nowhere, hashtag cool it. He simply said that Cam Newton's not going anywhere. But again, this was two weeks ago. So, a lot of things can change in the span of two weeks. For example, Cam Newton's on IR and his season's over. You got a contract year coming $19.1 million on the line. You let him go, you just saved yourself cap space. You keep him, you got cap space that you don't know if you're going to be able to use because the injury could be a lot worse than we think. Even as bad as it is already. And that means you don't trust Kyle Allen and you take away the kid's confidence to do well next season and prove to be the franchise guy. It's a lot of different factors and a lot of moving pieces. It all comes down to one thing. Do you trust Cam Newton? And I personally don't trust him anymore. The injuries got to him. He's not in the same mindset of a winning attitude. And I think that's it. Think about it. They were 0-2 with Newton. They took him out. Carolina has only lost once, and that was to San Francisco. Since Allen took over. It's been one heck of a season for him so far. Again, he makes mistakes at times, but again, first season as a starter. You gotta expect that sometimes. So, again, I love your comment. I appreciate it. And keep them flowing, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, French Fries. And to all the other people who commented, I very much appreciate reading them and getting the chance to feature them on here. It's a lot of fun. So, with that being said, time for the debate topic of the week. The new one. Freddie Kitchens is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. We all know that. He is expected to bring change on offense. And we have not seen it whatsoever. So, with that being said, I'm saying... Freddie Kitchens should be fired. Change my mind. Freddie Kitchens has to go. I hate to say it, especially you Browns fans, but from what I've seen, there is no offense out of this. He's an offensive coordinator, and his offense doesn't work. He brought in Todd Monken from Tampa to fix a passing game that didn't need fixing. And now look at it. It's got all these big-name players with no chemistry. That's what's doing it. There's no chemistry. Look, and that's on Kitchens. Kitchens and the players have to get the team engaged. His staff has to build a connection to these players. 
the best thing they could have done was keep Greg Williams. And I say that to this day. Because once they let him go, the defense disappeared. Besides Miles Garrett, because we know how good he is. But you guys get my point. Greg Williams did a great job. I don't know why anybody would let him go. And now he's screwed because he's on the Jets. You would have kept him. It would have been a better job, I guarantee you. And Kitchens would have still been the offensive coordinator. Williams is probably going to keep him. But look, now you let him go. Now you let the offensive coordinator, who has no real experience as a head coach, take over. And he is destroying this team. Now it was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. And that is on you. That's not on me. Dorsey put all the pieces in place for the coach to make something happen. And he has failed to do that. He has failed. There should be no reason Baker Mayfield is having an identity crisis with his facial hair. There should be no reason Odell Beckham's only had one touchdown this season. There should be no excuse that I have not seen a big defensive stop seriously from the Browns in a while. It should not be an issue that the only substantial play that I see every single week from the Browns is from Nick Chubb. It shouldn't be that way. Nick Chubb is a great running back. But the fact that the other portions of the team cannot perform to the best of their ability is an issue. And it needs to be resolved. And Kitchens isn't focusing on that. So, you know what? He should be fired. Bring in a college coach. Hey, why don't you try out that guy James Franklin from Penn State? I know he probably doesn't want to leave, but the Browns offered him a good amount of money, I think he'd leave. And I think he'll help you out very much. He'll find a way to fix up the offense and make the chemistry build, build connections. And on the defense, he'll bring in the right people to get it dangerous again and aggressive. I loved the Browns' defense last year. But once Williams left and Kitchens took over, the defense went straight straight down. It, like, disappeared. It shouldn't be happening. Either way, it shouldn't be happening. So yeah, Kitchen should be fired. Kitchen should be let go. Change my mind. Change my mind. Make sure to comment. I'm going to be putting a post up on Twitter and Instagram. At tstatsman on Twitter and at the.signline.statsman on Instagram. I'll be making a post. Don't be afraid to comment on it. You could be featured just like French Fry was on this week's podcast. Maybe next week's, actually. French Fry's got featured on this week's podcast. And he commented on the last one, which was two weeks ago. And now he just got featured for a great comment. That could be you. So make sure to comment. Best ones get featured in next week's podcast episode. So get typing, guys. All right. This now brings me to the final segment, the winners and losers of the week. So, obviously, we're going to start off with players. Then we're going to go to teams, and I'm going to end it on, as usual, a very bad note. Because I like doing that. I like, I actually kind of enjoy getting mad. I do. 
Now, usually at this point, I would cover the last two weeks, but I don't think that's fair. Because we did just watch one week of football, and things can change in that in that span. So you know what? I'm just going to do last week's. So, my player winner this week for, you know, week nine has to be Jimmy Garoppolo of the San Francisco 49ers. I think having Emmanuel Sanders made a massive difference. And I still stand by that. Jimmy Garoppolo was 28 for 37 for 317, four touchdowns and no interceptions against an Arizona Cardinals defense that has two players that are top 10 in the league right now in tackles. That includes Jordan Hicks and Buda Baker. They've got a they got great tackling, great performances from their linebacker core and secondary. And he still put up four touchdowns and over 300 yards. They ended up winning the game 28-25 in a close one. But the Niners still won the game. Because Garoppolo managed the game once they got that big touchdown drive and play from Andy Isabella. That was crucial for this team, for the Cardinals. And they, 49ers responded the right way. Took their time going downfield, constantly focused on getting just the first down. That's it. Work your way to the first down, run the clock out. And they did it just that way. And I appreciate that. That's good coaching. So, again, right here, I think Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game. I think if it wasn't for him, they would not have won that game. And I think strong performances from his running from his running backs, recognizing blitz scenarios and getting the ball out quick, was smart. He was holding, he was getting the ball out. He was reading routes properly. He read, he scanned the field the right way and was quick on it. He did everything to complete the winning recipe for a franchise quarterback. He did it. And that was in this game against the Cardinals. He gave me a lot of confidence in the Niners moving forward. So, great job, Jimmy. But now let's get serious because now we got to hit a loser. And this one may be the most unique loser I've had to date. My loser of the week for week nine is a black cat. A black cat is my loser of the week. I know, it makes no sense. I know. You guys know I'm talking about, because I know you've all seen the clip of the black cat running across the field in the middle of the Cowboys-Giants game. The, Cow- the Giants were winning 9-3 to when that happened. It was ama- it was amazing to watch. I believe if I think I'm actually going to play for you the Kevin Harlan call of the game because in my tent, in my opinion it goes down as the best call in the history of the NFL. Like any game I've ever watched or listened to, that has to be the best call. Kevin Harlan, you are a legend. Just just listen to this. He's Who brought walking. The cat? He's walking to the 3. <laughs> He's at the 2. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field. And the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive. Kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him. And they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands. And the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. That's amazing. I love Kevin Harlan for that. I have to appreciate everything he's done. 
in his career, I think this was one of his best calls I've heard to date. I mean, anyways, after that, that black cat was like an omen. They were like, this isn't the way the Giants are supposed to work. They're supposed to lose games. You know what? Let's throw the cat out there. Jerry Jones, you're a smart guy. The black cat goes on the field. After he leaves, the score went from 9-3 Giants and then ended at 37-18 Cowboys. The Giants only scored 9 points the rest of the game. And the Cowboys ended up running the score up 34 more points from when since that black cat ran across the field. So you have to wonder here how that cat could be a loser. Here's what I mean by loser. <laughs> this is going to be really funny, but you know, the cat interfered with the game's play, ruined momentum for the Giants' defense, and after that, they just never recovered. Because they all had a great old time, the fans had a great old time, it was so much fun. And during that meantime, Jason Garrett found the recipe and the secrets to destroying the Giants and winning, and getting out of here with a win. And he shared that with his team during that delay. And after that, boom, now the team is pushing harder to win. And all of a sudden, the Giants couldn't keep up. They fell behind. And the, because of that cat's interference, the Giants never got back in the game. They never got back fully. And Daniel Jones and the Giants fell apart. It's the truth. It's the truth. Now, as much as I don't like the Giants or the Jets, I do have to state for the record here that that black cat, just it just screwed over everything for them. And I do feel bad. But again... Thank goodness for that cat, because he did have some pretty good stats in that game. I mean, if I'm correct, because this is coming from Fox Sports. The Black Cat had three carries for 118 yards and a touchdown. And I think that's more rushing yards than Z than uh, Saquon had the whole game. So, you know, that that's the good thing, I think, right? Three carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. That's definitely a better day than what Saquon had. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Okay. But yeah, so the Black Cat... Did a great job of, you know, screwing up the Giants. Which is why he's a loser. Because he screwed up the momentum of the game. But yeah, I'm not going to go deeper into that. It's just it's just getting too funny now. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, you know, I have to now jump into winners again for the teams. And, you know, I can't be help but be happy to say this. But the Miami Dolphins are my winner this week. I'm so happy. Let me Let me explain why. In the previous episode I was going to release for the Halloween special, I went on an entire rant about the Miami Dolphins saying how they need to, how the fans need to jump out of there, find a new team to get to, because Brian Flores is secretly destroying the Dolphins. I said, nobody cares about the Dolphins anymore. They've killed the franchise, at least for management's sake, and that there's no way they're going to win any more games this season. And I went off on it. I went off. I did say Miami was going to beat the Jets, though. I did say that. And they did. And I'm very happy it happened. So because of that win, and them just getting their first one of the season, I have to put them on here. Let me put it this way. The Dolphins won the game 26-18 to in Miami against the Jets. I mean, that was just such a great game. Everything went wrong for the Jets, and the Dolphins took advantage. They didn't let it go to waste, and they never let up the, at any point in the game. They kept pushing and pushing, and they won. That's what the team's supposed to do. 
So they played like a real football team, and I appreciate it, and I respect it. I mean, look, Fitzpatrick had a great game. That's what they needed. Fitzpatrick looked like a real starting quarterback. He did it. He didn't look like a journeyman anymore. Preston Williams, you know, I mean, hopefully he gets better soon. He's probably not going to play the rest of the season. He just got put on IR. But Preston Williams, what a game. He did a great job the whole game. He was a big, he was a big difference maker for this Dolphins team. And tight end Mike Gesicki, who they drafted last year out of Penn State. I liked the guy in college. He came to the NFL. A lot of people didn't really know him, didn't understand his game style, his play. Really forgotten in his rookie campaign last season. But this season after this game, everybody's going to know Gasicki's game after this name after this game. I appreciate his gameplay and everything he does, and I really hope he succeeds in Miami. Because I think a lot of teams would love to have him there. So Miami better not let him go. Anywho, the Jets got pummeled defensively too. The Miami Dolphins did enough to stop them defensively and limit big plays downfield. And I really I really liked it, and I think it's a big step up. Even without Xavier Howard, they did it. And you can't help but just wonder, are the Jets really that bad? Or are the Dolphins finally getting on track after eight, nine games? And I really hope it's that they got back on track. Because I think they were a good team until they started dismantling it. They were going to be a decent team until they dismantled it. But I'm glad they got the win. They needed it. They needed a real confidence booster on, the, booster on this dreadful season. And I think that's what they needed. So now that jumps us into our losing team of the week. And again, I never thought I'd be saying this. But the Green Bay Packers are my loser this week, guys. So prepare for a rant. You lost 26 to 11. Okay. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But you know, who did they play again? Oh yeah. That's right. Didn't they play Phillip Rivers? Yeah, they played Phillip Rivers. They beat the Chargers and lost 26 to 11. Are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers I, look, I think it comes down to one thing here. I think the game plan from the Chargers was a lot better than the Packers. The Chargers focused on one thing to beat the Packers, which was to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. I'll explain how. L.A. dominated the time of possession 35 minutes and 51 seconds to 24 minutes and 9 seconds. They had 11 minutes more time of possession than the Packers. Which means Rivers was on the field 10 minutes more than Rodgers. So that was definitely a big impact. But nonetheless, total yardage because of that. This is a big one. LA had a total of 442 yards coming through the air and the ground. Okay, that's pretty good. I really appreciate it. But what did the Packers have? Let me see. Huh. That can't be right. It says 184. Hmm. 184. Let me just double check this real quick. Oh my god, it's true. The Packers had 184 total yards of offense. I mean, that... Is that normal? Is that normal to you guys? 
I just want to understand. Is the Packers having 184 yards of total offense against the Chargers normal? I, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But, you know, apparently it is now. Now you can lose to teams like the Chargers. But, okay. Okay. You do you, man. You do you. You're bound to lose eventually. And not a good one. They're lucky that the Vikings took a loss this week, too, and the Lions, and the Bears. The entire NFC North lost last week. So you should be happy about that. But otherwise, they, they should have won this game. I don't know how the Chargers did it, but they won. And they beat the Packers. But okay. That, that, that's all I gotta say. That, that, that's, that's really it. The offense was decent, but because they weren't on the field as much, the defense never got the chance to rest. The Chargers managed the game better, and that's why they won. So that comes down to management skills and play calling by Matt LaFleur. This one's on Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. But okay. I'll get by it. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You should have beat the Chargers, but I won't go any deeper, and I won't hurt anybody else's feelings. That's it. The Packers should have won that game. They didn't, and now they regret it. They're just lucky that everybody else lost. So yeah, congratulations on being my loser of the week, Green Bay. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. That's going to do it for us here at the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Once again, I am your host, the Sideline Statsman, and this has been the Pigskin Pulpit. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.